0: Welcome to Wednesday's word of truth. I'm Reverend Dr. Michelle Johnson, and I am here tonight as we continue our series on survive to thrive. Wonderful guest we have with us Kelly Diane Galloway is here and Kelly is the founder of ramp global missions, and also the founder of Mona's house. That's it right. Uh-huh. And we give her an opportunity to share her story, not only her story, but the, story of the indiv- stories of the individuals whom she comes in contact with on a daily basis. So Kelly, go ahead, speak your truth.
1: <laughs> well, thank you, first of all, for inviting me and having me um, on your show. I I am honored all the time um, anybody asked me to tell my story. and So um, as you've already said, my name is Kelly Diane Galloway, and I am originally born and raised. And what I believe is one of the most beautiful cities in uh, in the world, my home, Buffalo, New York. Um, a shout out I, for Buffalo! It's golden, yeah. Buffalo. A Buffalo kid, and I'm proud of it. And so, uh, what ended up happening in my life, and what I what I think about um, Kelly, well, what is your a pivotal point in your life that? Um, cause you to have a collision with destiny I would say that that happened on January 5th 1998 I wanted to be like a singer and so what I used to do is I would come home from school and I would um go down to our stereo because back then uh you had a cd player you had vinyls and you had cassette and um I remember recording um the song um With Mary J. Blige and Method Man from the radio to my little blank CD so I could try to record over it um, in my own way. And all of a sudden, I just began to hear screams from upstairs in my parents' house. And um, at first, I couldn't make it out. And the closer and closer I got to the screaming, I was able to interpret what my sister, my eldest sister, was saying. She was saying, They killed him, they killed him. And so I, I, I just said, You know, Kim, who did they kill? And, of course, she didn't answer me. She was just crying and um, banging the phone on the ground. Um, back in the day, we had like those big cordless uh, phones. And so I ended up just picking up the phone, and um, I, I said hello. And on the other side of the phone, it was my mother's voice. And she said, Kelly, I want you to sit down. So I sat down in my dad's recliner um, in the TV room, and she said, I just want to let you know that um, Mikey got killed today, and so uh Mikey's my brother. Biologically, he's my cousin, but my cousins and I, we were all raised as siblings, and so um, that was like a pivotal point in my life. And I just sat there and I said, oh, "Okay." And she said, "I'm on my way home." And so um, I just hung up the phone. And my sister, she was just continuing to cry, but I felt like you know at that time I I wasn't able to cry because my sister my my sister was crying, and so we both couldn't do it at the same time, and so. I remember after that i just became filled with rage and and um i really didn't have um, hope and so um i know that scripture tells us that um that hope deferred makes the heart sick and so um i really just became violent I, i caught my first charges When I was about 15 years old, um, I became promiscuous because in my mind immediately, uh, I became promiscuous at the age of 12. And my, my reasoning behind that was, I realized that the gentleman who killed my brother would be out sometime and I was you know watching television and they said that um the power that women have over men is through sex and so I lost my virginity to one of my friends and I asked him like you know I need you to teach me how to have sex so I could be good at it because so that by the time this guy gets out of jail I could um I could seduce him and hurt him like I felt like he hurt me and so um time went on I got into this school called Hutch Tech it was like considered the top to one of the top two schools in my city. And um, let's say for instance, it was a hundred people that graduated. Uh, um, I was the 99th person on that list. That means I graduated at the very bottom of my class. And so I, I scored so high on the SATs that colleges were asking me to come there. So I would apply, my mom would pay these application fees, but then we would mail my transcripts and they said, I, I, we don't want you. Cause I was at the bottom of my class. I remember it was a Friday night that, um, um, I got a, uh, application from a college in Lynchburg, Virginia, and, and we're black. And so nine times out of 10, a, a person, a black person that has never heard of the city, Lynchburg, Virginia, that's probably not a place that they really want to go to. We try to stay away from anything with the word Lynch in it. Um, but I learned that that's not why it was called that, but that Friday night, I got the application on the top of it. It said Fee Wave. And for me, that, that, that was, uh, you know, uh, automatic, because now I don't have to ask my mom for 150 or $250 check to pay for an application fee, knowing that I might not get in. And so they wanted an essay I wrote about my brother, Mikey. And then I mailed the application off on a Friday, on a Saturday, mail doesn't run on a Sunday. On a Tuesday, I got an acceptance letter to Liberty University. And at the top of it, it said God has a blueprint for your life. Now, see, I was raised in the church, and my family we had to start serving at the age of three. That means we had to serve the unhoused. I worked in a cook, the church, uh, the church bookstore. I worked in the kitchen. <laughs> I worked in a clothing closet. Um, I worked in a Ronald McDonald House and a plethora of other places. And my parents were always about equal opportunity for um, all people and serving God's people, whether they believe the same faith as you or not. that We're called to uh, a service to God and to man, and so. I got down to Lynchburg, Virginia, and honestly, I just had a collision with destiny. Lord, um, I, I decided that I really wanted to live for God at that point, point. and um, I became a part of a church plant called the Ramp Church International, and it was really a group of radical college students. We were all poor. <laughs> um, I mean, we would go to each other's houses just for dinner, and um, I remember 40 people joining the church that first day, and, and we just had to keep moving out of buildings because we kept growing so rapidly. And to now, uh, we actually, God blessed us to be able to purchase the first Liberty University, uh, which is a piece of land that they used to say that Black people couldn't even go and enter into. Um, and, and we now own, the, you know, the school and the, the, the church. And we do a lot of community work there. And um, And now we've been able to, you know, launch churches around the United States. But it was about a decade ago, I felt like God was calling me to the nations, um, more specifically the 1040 window, which is latitude and longitude. Um, and it, it it in that window, it is what people describe as the most unreached parts of the world um, for Jesus Christ. And so... Initially, I went there. I I went on the mission field. I moved to um, the country, India, and we started a children's home there. So we have about 100 children there. Then I I went and moved to Nepal, 217 children there. Then I moved to um, Guatemala, and uh, we were blessed with some land from a family that I taught English to when I was in the United States. So I moved to a small village um, in Guatemala called Fray Bartolomé de las Casas. And we built there too and then we started working also in guatemala city around the garbage dump Um, this past year we opened another facility in sao paulo brazil and in the midst of the pandemic we opened a school in pakistan and so um, that's just my international work but one one thing that happened during this time span about maybe around 2016 i was living in a city called thessaloniki greece to work for, at the time, the world's largest anti-trafficking organization called A21, what a powerful and dynamic woman by the name of Christine King. And it was this girl in the house that she was a volunteer from the United States just like myself. And um, she said, Kelly, aren't you from Buffalo? And I said, yeah. And she said, but Buffalo doesn't have a place for human trafficking victims. And I was like, what? Yes, we do. And remind you, I hadn't even been living in Buffalo at this time. I had went to college in Lynchburg, Virginia, and I stayed there. And after that, I moved overseas. Mm -hmm. And so I was naturally defensive because I don't like when people talk about my hometown. (laughs) Like, And so I said, yes, we do. And so she showed me the the website. She showed me the documentation that we use to find out where there are open beds specifically for human trafficking victims with trauma-informed staff. And indeed, there was nothing in my hometown. In fact, there was the closest restoration home specifically for human trafficking victims. Where I'm from would be New York City um, in the state of New York, but in closest uh, closer and distance would be Pennsylvania. And so um, I remember flying home from India that, that um, summer, this organization called the Lynx, brought me there and I spoke and I said, listen, I'm gonna open the first restoration home for women who've been victimized by human trafficking. It's not gonna be a safe house, it's not gonna be a shelter, it's gonna be a restoration home because I wanna build a place where women could come in as victims, be transformed into survivors, but by the time they leave they're overcomers, because I believe that survivorship is just a part of our process of deliverance. And when the women leave our home, um, they're gonna be both contributing and functioning members of society. And this is not going to be a place where uh, women are okay with just um, being alive, but they'll be able to thrive. And the reason why we call our women overcomers is because we used to have power over them. They now have power and authority over it. And um, we want to move people out of survivorship because to, to just survive means I just want to live till tomorrow, I'm just trying not to die. And I want to push them to a point where, um, um, not push them, but I believe that like my calling in life is a midwife. so. If you're pregnant with something, like I'm gifted and anointed with strategy um, to be able to help you pull what's in you out of you. And that transcends markets, <laughs> and does, industries, and, and, and a plethora of, of uh, different occupational choices that people make. Oh, and so Okay,
0: pa- pause right there for me. I just want to say,
1: wow, that's all. Because <laughs> I can keep going.
0: <laughs> I, I mean, I, I am just... I mean, just blown away. Once again, in your <laughs> journey, however your life journey has been, I'm not even going to ask you your age because black don't crack. So, um, <laughs> so and yet you have taken, God has taken mm-hmm. tragedy, mm-hmm. and turned it into who, and whom you are, and who. And where you're impacting right now, so I want to back up just a minute because mm-hmm. I always I always want to see where the switch shifted, where that the the season changed. Can you it, can you pinpoint? Yeah. And I love it when you say you had a a, a destiny. What, what, what's the phrase that you use? say it again. I had a collision with destiny. A collision with destiny. Now I'm going to tell you right up front, I'm going to use that.
1: Okay. Okay. I'm going to
0: give you credit (laughs) for it, but I'm sure not going to use it. (laughs) Where, where was that? And you, and you, you use the the term, the phrase twice. So there may be, and I I do believe that there are, are are multiple new births. Okay. In our, in this current incarnations. And so, so it doesn't surprise. Surprise me if there perhaps were multiple collisions with destiny, but I know that there are two seasons, two times that you've mentioned this. But which one was the first?
1: Well, see, um, so when I left Buffalo, it, I had so many people tell me that I was never going to be anything. I'll be pregnant by the time i was sixteen. And
0: when you and left and Buffalo, were you headed towards LA? To co- no, to college.
1: To, and, I know.
0: See, I have friends. I have friends from Lynchburg, the Lynchburg area. <laughs> And they call it L.A. They say they're from L.A.
1: Mm, I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, that's what they say. So you were headed towards the Lynchburg area. Okay. And um, and and I had that in the back of my mind. It'd be, it was, some of them was like my friends' parents. And, you know, I was getting in trouble a lot. You know, I was, you know, full of rage and, and, and violence. But my, my father, I didn't want to disappoint my dad. So when I found out that I was getting, that I got accepted to college, like I, I had a conversation with my dad and I, and I said, listen, like, I'm going to be different when I get down there. Like, I'm not going to blow it this time. And, um, and, and I, I, I meant that. So when I went down to Lynchburg, Virginia, I wasn't even there a week and I cussed this girl out. I mean, it was a girl from DC and she just, she kept calling me young, young, like they vernacular. And I'm just like, I don't know who you're talking to. And then, (laughs) and so, um, I remember the IRAs knocking on the door because you're not allowed to cuss there. And they said, you know, who was cussing? And, I, and, and, you know, I said, me. And they were like, okay, we just, please don't do that, but we have to write you up. So they gave you something called a reprimand and it caught, and my parents had to pay $250. So after that, I was done cursing. Then um, you also had on your dormitory hall, you had prayer groups and, and each prayer group was led by a prayer leader. Um, I wasn't too fond of my prayer leader, but this one, um, girl now woman uh she just she was cool she was you know she was caucasian she was country and but she was cool and her name was meredith her name now is her married name is meredith floyd what was it
0: about her that you thought she was cool as you
1: because um a lot of people a lot of, it was predominantly a white college, a white evangelical Christian college. And-
0: We're not gonna mention the name because we don't want to get too much publicity, but-
1: But I don't know. She was, she it, was, it,
0: was it, was it just, authenticity? I mean, a sense yeah, she, of, an anointing
1: one or- One of my girlfriends act like, hey, what's your name? What do you like to do? And she would just and, and over time, it might be sometimes I'm just chilling in my room and she would just come and just say, Hey, I'm just saying, hey, how you doing? How was your day today? And then she would just leave. So it wasn't like she was overbearing. And so over time, she just cultivated a relationship. So now I want to know, well, how was your day? And so one day she was like, Hey, Kelly, like, do you mind going to Saboro Pizza with me? And I was like, Yeah, let's go. And so we went one day. She drove and um We were sitting down, she was just telling me about her life, and it was about to be a holiday season. Uh, It was in October. We we were about to leave shortly for Thanksgiving, and she was telling me how she was going to, I believe she said she was going to um, visit with her boyfriend's family. And so I asked her, I was like, you know, well, where where do you have sex with your boyfriend? And so she looked at me, and she was like, what? I was like, you said you got a boyfriend, right? And so she said, yeah. I said, well, where where do y'all go have sex? And she was like, you know, Kelly, I don't believe in fornication. Um, she was like, I'm trying to live my life as a real Christian and that doesn't please God. So um, we're not having sex. We're choosing to wait until we're married. And I said, oh, y'all really do that? And so she said, yeah. And then she was like, she was like, like I said, I mean, for me and my journey, I'm, I'm just trying to be a real Christian and I'm not perfect, but I, I want. Um, she said something along the lines of, like, she wants to um, please God to the best of her ability, but um, in her little speech, the only word that really resonated with me was real, because I had all, for all my life, prided Mm -hmm. myself being ten toes to the ground, real, authentic, never fake, phony or fraud, and so I was like, well, I want to be real, too, so what I realized is that yeah, I did believe in God, but I, I hadn't yet allowed myself to be discipled into the ways uh, t- into a lifestyle that was pleasing, but instead I was so focused on doing whatever I wanted to do and, and please myself. And I honestly hadn't really seen any really good examples of people who are walking righteously um, before God. And so um I told her, I said, okay, well, how about this? I'm gonna go have sex tonight. But tomorrow, I'm gonna come to you, and and I'm gonna let you teach me more because I have been raised in the church, active and everything. My parents, deacons, and ministers, you know. So, um, so
0: and I actually did. told her that you were gonna go have sex that night. Let me and tell you, she
1: could have told me, and I could have got kicked out of school
0: because you were going to have sex,
1: mm-hmm. or you were because going
0: out, you were leaving campus, whatever stuff like that. Yeah.
1: And so like you could only hold hands and if you hugged somebody the opposite sex, you could only hug for three seconds back then. Or you would get written up like those reprimands that was reprimand. so I got for cussing that girl, you get that. And so after that, I started doing like door-to-door ministry with her, um, serving in the, um, the soup kitchen in Lynchburg. And then that same, that, that same year, but the next semester is when I met my now pastor in the computer lab, like, I started, because, like, when I was in her world, I was still, like, with a whole bunch of white people, and, you know, when I, I didn't really know any saved black people, because when I came, all the black people I hung out with was, like, on the football and the basketball team, and they was just drinking, smoking, and getting, and partying every weekend, but I didn't want to do that anymore, so I was just by myself, and because I didn't really feel like I fit in with all those white people people and then uh, finally i met like the gospel choir kids mm-hmm. <laughs> and so yeah. there um not all of them were my people but then i found my i found my people mm-hmm. and then from that we planted the church and um so um in pizza i made a decision that day to change the next day and then that's all she wrote <laughs>
0: You made a decision that day to change the next day,
1: yeah,
0: so so that was the first collision with destiny,
1: when it came down to me deciding how I wanted to live my life
0: right, uh-huh, yeah, yeah,
1: okay, I think a lot of people think think that you know, I love God, God knows me, God knows my heart, um but and while all that's true, he also gave us like you know, this is he he said like um uh, if you love me you obey my commandments but see I hadn't even educated myself on what are his commandments all I knew was just the ten commandments and but it's so many other things like that and then I started to like look at my relationship with God as I would look at my relationship with a man like if I if I had a man that treated me how I was treating God I wouldn't want that man like mm-hmm. talk to me feel like it Mm when you want something or when you're in a bind or something like that you know and I was just like I'm giving this this is like a real one-way type thing that I'm doing right now and um and and I don't always get it right you know I'm still growing and evolving and and becoming more mature especially when I find myself in situations where I'm upset (laughs) you know like uh, allowing the Lord to um, um uh defend me <laughs> sometimes sometimes I, you know i want to clap back so bad sometimes but in mm-hmm. some don't even have to do with me it's me you know, on social media reading other people's stuff like i want to like <laughs> you know but mm-hmm. so just learning yeah. how to be so um i just said that to say like you know this this walk with god is is is, is, is you're always in pursuit of of more and 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 so I just decided and I'm very intentional about growing my relationship with him Mm -hmm. yeah
0: yeah I call it I call it God's way God's will and God's wisdom Mm. and and it it (laughs) seems to me that in you have captured or probably even uh broadened the the realness or the authenticity of uh, that you, that you saw in, in the woman that you eventually had the conversation with Sabara, and and, Sabara, and you guys are still, you're still friends. Mm-hmm. And so my thing is, I think, and let me just, this is where I go to my kind of analytical place. I think you saw yourself in her. So the, the reflection of your authenticity, your realness, your genuineness, which is really is still, I mean, it's just, Mm -hmm. effusing from you now there was that connection that that sense of 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 that realness and and even though you may not have known that, that about yourself perhaps it was there and so you just connected with it you were drawn to it and and I and I praise God that that you had that opening that that breaking open that 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 access to light so to speak because this, this was your turning point. So how many years have, have passed since that? I have it in
1: 2003.
0: 2003. Okay. October. Wow. And I know we were talking earlier, but I know you also started, you were, you were sharing early on about where you've been, what you've done, who you've become since <laughs> then. And, and, you and and you were talking about what you've done and where you've been. I want I want to talk about a little bit about who Kelly has become. Mm. But, and, and I want to make a connection. So as 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 you're as you're hearing your answer. Because I think just like you saw your, your light, your opening, the reflection of you in your, I'm, I'm gonna call your Sabaro lifelong friend, because the ministry that you're doing requires individuals to trust the light in you, to trust the truth in you, mm-hmm. to trust that same authenticity that you saw in Sister Sabaro. Folk, folk who have been victimized, who've been mistreated, who've been lied to, who have, li- who have lived trauma, don't trust easily. And so when I hear about the work that you've done around the world, I mean, you, you, you sit, I mean, you're here and, and you, you're relatively chill, okay? <laughs> but I, I, I just wanna make sure that folk understand the magnitude and the depth of the lives that you are, that you're touching and who are allowing you to touch them. Because we, okay. can, we can offer ministry, but everybody is not gonna receive ministry from us. You That's know, right. we can offer hope and healing, but everybody's not gonna come to us and say, hey, hey you're the one. So, so I, wanna, I wanna get to the marrow, if you will, of the fact that there is something amazingly awesome and authentic and real and genuine about you that sense of light and i mean i mean in, in the church context that I operate in we say it's a powerful anointing mm-hmm. well we also have to figure out how to break that anointing down what that really means and how it manifests differently in folks' lives so mm-hmm. I, I don't know whether you know you you give yourself the time or, or even you know the props to be able to reflect upon what is it about you that says to
1: folk I can trust myself with Kelly. I think that um, really, I don't really think it's me. I think of myself as a, um, a broken, yielded vessel. And, and what, what I mean by that is I believe that um, in inside this earthen vessel lays the treasure of God and and the brokenness is what even gives him the opportunity to shine through my cracks. And so, really, people are not coming to Kelly. It's really they're coming to God because it's really no. Um, I, I think that I'm a good person, um, but does I not really...
0: does not Kelly have to yield to God?
1: Yeah, that's a broken yielded vessel because yeah. really. Really, I'm a regular girl. I'm a regular girl that just gave God a radical yes. And so what mm-hmm. people really get is that your yes transcends languages, barriers, religions, like a, a yes to God <laughs> and, and a, a continual, perpetual, intentional yes to God opens up doors. I mean, you got to think about it. Like I, I was overseas. I was in Virginia. When I came back to Buffalo, most of my friends was dead in jail or, and, and a couple of them, I had two friends in Buffalo at the time when I went back, but most of my friends was gone. Um, mm-hmm. Like I said, dead or in jail or out, out of the city. So I remember when I came back, people were just like, who is she? where she come from? Like you had to be around back in the day to really remember who to I was, who you were. Right. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and so when things have things, December 18th is when Project Mona's house turned four and we have done so much and in, it's in a little bit of time but really I, I believe it it was because like in moments where I really didn't want to I gave God a yes and that yes cost me my whole 20s I'm 36 my 20s my 30s uh, my midway my 30s um, what other people think that well she should have this by now and and or or even things that I thought that the way that I thought that my life would look right now, it doesn't look like that. But my yes was like, God, I just trust you to navigate me in this way. And he's been adding things that I didn't even know that I needed. People I didn't even know that I wanted in my life. But he's been adding all those things to me because I sought him first. And so like, I believe that he uses people he of course he used me and 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 who you see is my personalities, but my personality since I was a kid, I'm a lot kinder and more patient and more mature. And I believe that comes with um um growing up in in Christ because you know, age does not dictate maturity <laughs> at all. Right, right. Yeah. But yeah, I just think that it really is that radical, yes. Like for real, for real, I tell people all the time, like I don't have the luxury that some people have just to be like I quit today. I'm not going to show up today. Like every day I decide to show up and, and you're right. People don't have to allow me into their lives to serve them. Mm -hmm. I look at it as here. I'm here to help you. No, I'm here to serve you and and partner with you. Like I come in agreement with, with God. Well, I come in agreement with what God spoke over your life. So really I'm working with you. Like we're partners Mm -hmm. And so people don't want other humans to lord over them. And I don't want to lord over people. I'm just like, listen, do you believe you have a destiny? Do you believe you call to more than where you are right now? Do you believe that tomorrow will be better than today? And two days when we die will be better than tomorrow? Do you believe that you already survived 100% of your worst days? Well, do you believe and trust the fact that God has gifted me with strategy? Can I help you? Will you allow me to, to, to serve you and help you get to where to get from point b to z because you just even having this conversation with me is you going from a to b now just allow me to partner with you on your journey from b to z to the end because like we have to operate in a finisher's anointing and so i don't know i i believe that that hope that say say
0: that again we have to operate in a finisher's anointing finisher's anointing gotta stop starting stuff and not finishing it i want to hear about some of those stories some of those journeys
1: okay well um lately I've been into film and so um I learned about human trafficking in a modern day sense um through a a movie called Taken now I know a lot of your listeners and a lot of people have seen that movie and I want to make it known that that movie is highly dramatized for Hollywood um but there are still some things that you will see that are truth um and in some people's lived experiences that are sprinkled throughout um, movies like that one of the things is um, and and so since cinematic arts is what introduced me to this world of modern day slavery um i started to create film too so we created a film called sold next door um, which is completely free because one of the hardest parts of my job is to convince united states citizens that human trafficking which is the buying and selling of human bodies um, for profit, whether it be through labor or sex trafficking um, happens in the United States. It doesn't just happen overseas. That's right. (laughs) Yes. And so, In our film, Soul Next Door, we tell the stories about two dynamic overcomers. One of them um, is Heather. Um, She grew up in a suburban city um, and went to a suburban school. And father was a decorated military veteran. Mom worked in the healthcare industry. And um, she was an artist and and, and did well in school. Um, But she didn't know that one of the people that was in her school was going to grow into becoming a trafficker and that she would be one of his victims. And. well, I remember when I walked into um, Erie County Medical Center and I saw her for the first time. Um, I never saw a case that bad in the United States. Um, her jaw was not attached to her face. So she had to go have uh, reconstructive surgery. Um, she had a, a bullet from a pellet gun, you know, right here at the top of her forehead. Um, her back was cut up like the back of Jesus, um, she was set on fire, um, with burns in between her legs, she was bony because they withdrew nutrients from her, uh, withheld nutrients from her, um, she had marks all over her just from being tied down and taped up, and, um, and when she came to us, she still had this bright light on the inside of her. She, I remember the first day I I came to her room, she asked me, you know, do you think that maybe the nurses can give me some paper? And when she started, when she got the paper, she just started drawing her hand and her foot. And I noticed immediately like, oh wow, she's like a really advanced artist. And so I partnered with some people in my community in Western New York and they began to mentor her and give her jobs where she could um, get paid just for being an artist. And then we helped her launch her first business. Uh, where she got to sell her own art and made thousands of dollars from it. Um, right. She completed our program and moved out on her own as a function contributing member society. She's in college right now. She has her own place. She doesn't need to depend on anybody else um, for for anything Um like food, clothing, and shelter, and vehicles. She she worked hard to achieve goals, just to have updated ID, just to get her permit to actually go to driving school and pass and get her driver's license. And, you know, her trafficker made her feel like, you know, if she ever ran away, that he would find her and that he would kill her and her family. And so because he used those tactics of isolation and and coercion and force... On her, she just thought that she couldn't go anywhere, and so she stayed. A lot of people, um, when I when I hear stories on the internet, you know, when they hear about, you know, this person was charged for human trafficking, and and the the public may not like the fact that that person is going to jail for trafficking. Even some of our favorite celebrities, people are like, well, why didn't they just leave? Well, you don't understand what a trauma bond is, or what Stockholm syndrome is, or you don't understand the kind of. Um, Um, loyalty that fear can create. Mm -hmm. And, and, and unfortunately, because people are not willing to be educated, they don't have, um, they don't have a reservoir. Of empathy or sympathy to give towards the, the the type of women that type of women and children that we help on a daily basis, even the girls. You know, we fight for girls who are right now incarcerated because the criminal justice system, especially Black and Brown girls, have over-sexualized them, and instead of being looked at as uh, victims, they're looked at as criminals. Like Centoya Brown, who was recently let out of prison, who um, I just finished walking 902 miles in the Underground Railroad. It took me 50 days. Um, called the Freedom Walkness and toy was waiting for us as, as at Buffalo City Hall when we got back and, um, and then you have Delicia Carmichael right now incarcerated because her trafficker shot at a person while she was present and she got more time than he did. Um, you have Zeppi Trevino in Texas, you have Crystal Kaiser um, in the same city that uh, Kyle Rittenhouse just got um, um, acquitted for, uh, of all charges when she killed a tra- her trafficker Um, out of self-defense you know Mm -hmm. but so these are just some of the stories of how the world just doesn't see them Mm -hmm. Um, and and our job is to shine the light on what's happening in the world so that people can start to care and and care before it's too late care before you got to call me right that's what I tell people like Mm -hmm. nobody thinks that I literally have never met one parent or well, one person just like, yeah, I knew my child would be trafficked one day or I knew, so I tell people, care before you got to call me mm-hmm. and, or your friends have to call me. And I get calls from states all around our country. Um, you know, like, hey, I need to come to Project Mona's house. I heard about Project Mona's house. And um, yeah, so I, I urge people don't wait too late to care. So Mona's house is in Buffalo, New York or no? Uh, well, one of them is in Buffalo. And then the second one. So there are one, houses
0: where else in the country?
1: Uh, we're opening this year in uh, Lynchburg, Virginia. So it'll go everywhere that we have a base. So we have a base in um, Buffalo, Lynchburg, Virginia, Atlanta, Georgia, Charlotte, North Carolina, Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas, Houston, Texas. So in the next three years, you'll have a, uh, the next five years, I'm sorry, you'll have a project once house in all those cities. So we have board members and churches in those cities in or churches in those cities.
0: And are you providing leadership to all of these locations?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Why? Why did I ask that question? Of course you are. Of
1: course you are. We'll have executive directors, but I'll still be the president. Right,
0: right, right, right. I want you to have an opportunity to, to, to tell folk how they can be of support to the ministry that you're doing, I know you talked a little bit about, oh man, parents just being realistic enough to know that this can happen to their child. You mm-hmm. know, um, you know it's, and I, I and I'm still blown away when people say, well, how, wh- why, how could they stay so long? And yet we understand the fact that there, there are people who are in situations of domestic violence who stay so long. You know, um, the tactics are, are you know perhaps a different scale, different level, but still the same fear, intimidation, coercion, uh, the, the, the whole work. So
1: how, how can we help? I think it's a couple ways that people can help. First, I believe that the eye doesn't see what the brain doesn't know. And um, because of that, I think that we should be, um, we should take initiative to become educated on what is human trafficking, how to spot it, how to stop it, and how do I join the fight? And as I said, Project Wellness House can help people in all 50 states. If you call us and you're like, man, I'm in Hawaii, I'm in traffic, and we have a space in our in our, in our our residential home, we'll come get you. Um, um and right now i'm working on building the nation's largest restoration home for human trafficking victims so um and their children and so there like i said there's a couple ways number one be educated the human trafficking awareness month is coming up in january and now, can I ask um i'm going to pause right there for a minute
0: because you said something that may be unique to folks understanding you said human trafficking victims and their children Because I think the perception that we have, the image that we have, is that most instances it's an adult female, teen or adult female, and of course there are men who who are victims of human trafficking as well, and there are families or women and children who are a part of this
1: Mm -hmm. atrocity. Yeah. Yeah. You have to understand that there are vulnerable populations. So, Mm -hmm. um, vulnerable populations include children who are runaways and foster children, refugees, and a lot of times refugees who have families, people addicted to substances or people um, who abuse um, substances, undocumented internationals, um, and people who are not cautious on social media, people who live at or below the poverty line, people of color um the LGBTQ plus population. There are several different vulnerable populations. And so we have created pathways to reach each and every one of those populations. And so whether it's learning new languages, having translators, developing and partnering with other organizations that that serve these individuals. So um if you if any of your listeners works with any of those populations, then let's set up a formal partnership. You can become a ref- Earl site for us, but for somebody that's just like, listen, I just want to know more. Every month, um, we teach um a free human trafficking one-on-one class virtually, so you can watch from all anywhere in the nation or around the world. Um, in the month of January, which is human trafficking Awareness Month, um, we teach that class once every week, um, and it'll be six classes in the month of January. It'll be four for adults and two for children. Um. Now, this is something you brought up um, in response to something I said about parents. So I wrote articles on our website, www.projectmoulinthouse.com, like how to keep your children safe. I just want to say this because I don't know who's listening, but please remember this. It is not the duty of children to keep themselves safe. It is the responsibility of adults, community members, and elders in the community to protect our children. It is not, we cannot place the burden of protecting children on children. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that, Is There there are certain precautions that need to be um, put in place. Anytime your child has an electronic device and there is not a software on there to control what they're watching, what they're viewing, you are putting your child in danger. Two weeks ago, a a top Sony executive was caught soliciting a 15-year-old boy for sex through a PlayStation, through, through that gaming system. And so you might let your kids sit in front of this gaming system all the time. Somebody can go, in, uh, if you go on my website and, and look up that article, is right there on the homepage. I provide links where parents are 100% sure that their child is not talking to people that they do not know online and would definitely never meet up with them. I have hundreds of cases where that is not true. And I'm talking about these are good homes, smart, good jobs, degrees, and And uh, children, until they're age, uh, until they're uh, 24, 25, their prefrontal cortex isn't even even fully developed, the decision-making part of the brain. So why on earth would you trust a nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 year old to make adult decisions when there are people right now trying to build legislation to legalize pedophilia? Mm -hmm. And if it doesn't work, they want to lower the age of consent because the age of consent is different per state because there are people who actually want to have sex or rape because an adult cannot have sex with a child a adult can only rape a child and so and then when you talk about pornography you know the the most popular types of porn are violent porn and and, and porn where the some teenager is somewhere in it um, in the title. You know, so there is a market of people who want to have sex with children, who want to rape children. So why why allow your child, to, if you won't allow your child to go in a room by themselves with a 42-year-old man in your house while you're there, if you won't allow that to happen, why do you think that won't happen through this, this device in their phone? But there's programs called MSPy and Safer Kid and different parental controls that you can put on your phone to to help safeguard your children. You can't prevent everything, but you definitely can control a lot. And so I just wanted to say that.
0: Thank you so much. No problem. I mean, once again, you are a chill sister, okay? (laughs) I say that because of the magnitude of work that you're doing the depth of the service that you're providing to the world and yet you just kind of chill with us on a thursday before christmas talking about what you're doing where you've been where you're going
1: it's pretty much personality i know i know
0: it is and i know that is the gift that god has made you and that Mm. god has given to this world and so i salute you i i honor you I got one question that I I want I always ask everyone that we're going to talk to, okay? And that question is it's a question I want you to ask. If you could say something to your 12-year-old self, I'm going to hit you at 12. Mm-hmm. Okay? What would you say to 12-year-old Kelly Diane Galloway in Buffalo,
1: Buffalo, New York?
0: What you and say to her? Her, She
1: was hard-headed. I don't even know if she would listen to me. Um, but I would say, listen, um, I know that you are so sad that Mikey died, but he will want you to do well in school. Leave the boys alone. And I promise you that if you just stay focused, that better things are going to come. And they're going to come a lot faster. You're going to get there. But you can save yourself a lot of headache and a lot of heartache. And you can save a lot of other people from pain if you just stay focused, stay calm. Stay calm. I think that's I think that, that might be the only thing that my 12-year-old self would listen to. Thank, you. <laughs> Thank yeah. you.
0: That's absolutely wonderful. But you and you know, let me just say what you just said to your 12-year-old self, I think you have lived that advice. I think mm-hmm. you have lived that advice you have. And I think your, your brother would, is very proud of you. Thank you for sharing Mm -hmm. your truth with us. Thank you for helping us to get another glimpse of what it means to not only survive, but to thrive. And we ask Mm -hmm. God God, special blessings upon your life and upon your ministry. And we know that the best is
1: yet to come and believe it. And I receive it. Thank you so much. Take good care. God bless. (laughs) <laughs> Me too, right?